How's it going, man? It is going very well. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, of course. The, had a really good time last time. This probably won't be the last time either, so just prepare yourself for that. We'll we'll find more reasons. So. Is that a promise or a threat? Yes, it is both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I know you, you've not been feeling well the last few days. You feeling okay tonight? Yeah, I got a lingering head cold I'm trying to get over, but I'm almost there. You know, that, that last little phase where... Well, I won't, I won't enlighten you, but, um, you know, <laughs> I, I do. I do. Did, uh, I, I've talked about this before, but I don't think I've told you, I went and did a, a full cell thing in Brazil a few years ago. And it was a thing where they had me kind of go to different high schools and talk about the school, you know, that kind of a thing. And I was there for like, I think I was there for nine days. The second day I was there, I got incredibly sick. I was sick the whole time. So it was like constant NyQuil, DayQuil, you know, the whole just keep me upright. Lots of Red Bull. <laughs> that It's <Yeah>. awful. <laughs> and that's not something you could back out of because, you know, you're there for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And my schedule was packed. So it was uh, it was very interesting. Yep. Sudafed is the, the key to the game. Yeah. <laughs> makes you weird after a while, but it's worth it. <laughs> what if you're already weird? What, what does it do then? <laughs> it just evens you out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So I, I was thinking back through kind of where we got to last time. And I, I think we got around to the time that you were finishing up your time at Rockstar. Does that sound right to you? Maybe. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was three or four beers deep. Yeah, so oh yeah, yeah, we were just you. rolling with the questions. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. And we definitely bounced around a lot too. So, yeah. But the one thing I want to make sure that we touch on is, is that transition for you from one job to another. Because I always like to hear like, what made you decide to look for something else? right? Just, you know, your own thing. And then how, like, how did you go about it? Right? Like your kind of personal journey for, you know, it, it, as much as you can say about that kind of thing. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, to start from the onset there, like my number one motivator was personal growth. Like mm. I, I had the opportunity to look at what I was doing at Rockstar. And while it was fun and amazing, I didn't see my trajectory. I just couldn't envision it. I didn't know what I'd be doing in five years. I didn't yeah. know if it would be different. And I knew I wanted more. Uh, and I would strongly advocate that people people go down that road pretty much after every project. Like, just do a gut check and see, like, are you happy? Are you are you healthy? Is this what yeah. you want to be doing forevermore? Uh, or is this getting you on the path to what you want to be doing forevermore? So I got to take that that step. But that that was one of the scariest times in my life. I'd been at Rockstar for almost seven years, mm. uh, and I didn't know. Hey, is this a huge misstep? Uh, luckily I had a buddy, Danny Bullo was at Bungie. You know mm. Danny. I oh think. yeah. He's been on here. Yeah. 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 Awesome dude. And he'd been encouraging me for a while. Like, Hey, we have this role. We have this role. We have this role. Uh, and ultimately, you know, and talking to my wife about the risks, the, the possibilities, et cetera, it was just, Hey, we've, we've got to do something here. We've got to do something to make sure we're, we're taking that box of happy and healthy. Uh, so luckily with her backing, I was able to make the jump, apply at Bungie, uh, get, you know, accepted, get, get approved, get hired, I guess. <laughs> approved. Uh, and, and make the move over. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was scary because I came on board as a, a contract designer. So it wasn't even a certain. Really? Thing. Oh yeah. It was oh, a very man. temporary, like, I think it was a one year gig. Maybe it was for the duration of, of destiny one, like, but it was something along those lines of like, Hey, you're definitely not going to be here for the long term. Interesting. Um, 
yeah, but I, I was able to get in and kind of prove that, like, hey, I know how to build this game. I know what I'm doing. I, I have all these skills. Just unleash me on something. Uh, and I was able to do it. Within six months, I had a full-time nice. transfer. So it all worked out in the end, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I like that you, you talked about the five-year kind of plan because I – that's exactly the thing that I tell people. Like I'm always trying to think five years ahead and, and not that I necessarily have an agenda as much as like, I want to know that where I feel like I need to be, that I have some trajectory to be there. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think earlier in your career, when you're thinking about, you know, advancing and moving toward, you know, senior positions and then leadership and all those kind of things, it's really important to to have those conversations with the people around you and with your management to be like, is this something that I can move toward? Do you see this in me? If not, how do we get there? You know, th- those are important conversations to have. The five-year plan is something that's, it's hard for anyone to do. Like yeah. people are not good about looking that far in the future. Yeah. Uh, and even if you are like, you can't really, you can't realize what that's going to actually materialize as it's just not a skill most people have. And then building the road to get there, forget that. Like yeah. that's that's where you really need to lean on your manager to help you out uh, and, and look at some prior art and see how to get there. But man, it's such an important thing to do occasionally. Like it's it's one thing to be purely happy in what you're currently doing and just loving that thing, but it's got to go somewhere. You're not gonna be happy in doing that forever. People are hungry. We want more. We wanna take yeah. on more, we wanna challenge ourselves more. We don't like to feel mastery for very long because that's not satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like I, I got to be solving problems, right? If I'm, if I get into a cycle where I'm just doing the same things, I'm not solving problems anymore. Right. And so that's, it's definitely a motivator for me for sure. And one of the cool things about game dev and certainly game design is that your problem set changes every single day. Yep. Uh, but within a certain capacity, all the problems are relatively the same size. Now, I, I don't want to speak in platitudes there, uh, but yeah, they're all relatively the same size, but it's eventually you'll find yourself wanting to take on something bigger, something more, something more. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's where it's important to look at that five-year plan. Still something I struggle with. I don't know what my five-year plan is today. Yeah, you know, I don't think you need to always know as much as if you're for me, it's a balance, right? Where it's like, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I don't need to be thinking about down the road, but I just need to know that I have, you know, like I, I'm, I'm moving towards something, right? Or, or I see myself fitting in the future in a particular way. Well, that's, I mean, to what we were saying earlier, it's something you work with your manager on too. Like I've, I've kind of shifted so many times with my current manager about oh no this is where i think i want to land or no i'm really excited about doing this or this is where i see myself and it it seems to change about every six months uh so every time she asks it's i've I've got somewhat of a different answer and that's okay yeah Uh, as long as you've got an answer that we can start building towards yeah definitely and i think part of it just for me it just the the knowing that my future is even being thought about is important right is projects change, people change, people leave, people come, you know, like you never know, like if, like for instance, where I'm in my project, you know, we're going to ship next year. And then the, the, you know, the year after that, the landscape could be completely different, right? Like there's, what are the projects going to be? Who's going to get hired? Who's going to go somewhere else? So like opportunities are going to change drastically over the, over the course of that, you know, next year to two years. 
yeah, I've I've seen to that point a lot in my career of uh, you're not going to get promoted unless someone fails the bus test or someone leaves <laughs> or yeah. or something to that regard, and that never feels good. Like it it means there's no uh, growth opportunity for yeah. you. Luckily, I mean that's something that Bungie is is really good at. Like we're good at identifying that talent and providing that action plan. We don't fail the bus test anymore. Uh, you know, or fail failing the bus test, I guess it were, as it were. <laughs> so, but it's you know, for a long time in the in the business, I don't know if this was true in your experience, but not a lot of places were good at growing people. No, they're good at identifying like, hey, this is what we want you to do right now. But what happens when you get really good at that? How we'll deal with that later. Yeah, then you well, continue to do it because you're the best at it. So yep. <laughs> then you get pigeonholed. So it's exactly. tough. It's it's really tough. Or conversely to getting pigeonholed is, hey, you got really good at that thing, so we're going to promote you so that you're no longer doing that. Yep. Thing. Yep. That's your two options. Well, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is your growth path, and it's going to feel real bad for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's why so many people in this industry get their promotions by leaving. And it's... It's been that way the, my entire career, like not just for me, but it, it has definitely been that way for me, but everyone around me too. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of people secure promotions by leaving by boomeranging yep. sometimes. And that, that doesn't feel good to really anyone involved. Um, yeah, but it's, it is a way, I mean, it's not horrible in and of itself. The boomerang aspect, I can speak, you know, purely to myself, like I was able to go to a different place, learn a wholly different way of doing things, different skill sets, and able to come back and offer more to where I was before. Yeah, that's another thing. And we had we had this at Evolution. There was a lot of long time employees there, like long, long time. And while that's great in one regard, it's also limiting in another, right? Because they only know the the Volition or wherever you're at, like that way of doing things. And so unless you're going out and really, you know, doing a lot of education and, you know, kind of building your skills, you're, you're really just learning what you can around yourself. Yeah, actually, one of the one of the Bungie engineering directors talked to me about that one point in time that he'd been there since forever. Uh, and he kind of lamented the fact that that was his perspective and that he had never had that outside perspective at dealing with with you know, projects. Whereas I was like, wow, you've been here forever. That's awesome. You must be truly amazing. And he kind of imparted that like, well, yeah, but I've never seen anything different. I'm yeah. really good at this, but I don't know many other ways to do things. And that's, I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. It, it can definitely be limiting, but, but just having people come in from other companies and kind of work with those people can help too. Right. So there's ways around it. Yeah, absolutely. It, getting getting the diverse skill sets, diverse input sets, just diversity all around is is a huge benefit in any kind of development. Yeah, definitely. I mean, great idea. Like we often say that as a designer, uh you're you're not responsible for coming up with the best ideas. You're responsible for sourcing the best ideas. Yeah. Uh and that's it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I did not know that you're going to Bungie was on a a temporary position. Like that is that is terrifying for like for someone who you know has a family you know and you know or people are counting on you and you you have a stable thing and it, it sounds like it's a really good thing that you had a supportive spouse because like that's 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 a big deal that's a real big deal yeah like like I said we just finished GTA 5 development and I was looking for what was gonna come next 
Um, and Rockstar, like Rockstar, would have been great to stay at. Obviously, you know, I was I was beginning to look at Red Dead Redemption Two, and that was an amazing project when it when it finally came out. Um, but I needed something new, and it was it was a huge risk. I was so terrified of the, well, we're gonna sell our house, sell everything we own, move oh, to man. Seattle, <laughs> uh, live in an apartment, and work at a contract gig. The one benefit to Seattle though is. Hey, it doesn't work out at Bungie. Like, well, two blocks away from Bungie, there's Sucker Punch. Yeah. There's innumerable game companies within a 15-mile radius that I... Well, I can't say, like, oh, I'll absolutely land somewhere. Um, It seemed like, okay, well, it's safer than the downtown... Or the uh, the North County San Diego game yeah, development scene. Yeah, right. <laughs> so... Yeah, my first was, job was in San Diego. That company shut down, and there was no other options. Like it was, it was very limiting at the time. Where were you at in San Diego? I was in I was in a Carlsbad at a startup called Amusement, and uh, there was a bunch of guys that left Variant uh, that was making EverQuest to do an MMO. So it was really cool, but it just didn't last very long. And then it was like there was nowhere to go there from there. Yeah, I think down there at one point in time there was Soe, there was yep. Tryon. Yeah, that's uh, right. I mean, now there's there's HMS, um, a couple others. I know Zynga was down there for a hot minute, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's the it's best place to live. Seattle, man. Yes, San Diego's so nice. You know, it's it's funny because we've been looking at at moving again and potentially moving back to San Diego. Uh, I remember leaving San Diego thinking like, oh, well, we'll go to Seattle. Like, I'm gonna have seasons. I'm gonna have snow. There's gonna be rain. Leaves are gonna fall from trees. It's gonna be awesome. And now that I've been up here for seven years, I'm like, well, could I just could I just have like more sun? Is that a thing? <laughs> Come to Florida. <laughs> uh, I do no, have I a lot of good me. friends and family there, <laughs> so. And I'd love to make it easier to visit Full Sail again too. Hey, it's always just a plane right away, you know. It's true. And actually, we do need to get you down here over at Full Sail soon. They they had the career expo that they're doing that I wanted to go for, but I'm actually on vacation the day it kicks off. Oh, so man. I will be going through Florida, but not to full sale. All right. I see how it is. <laughs> but I, I need to reach out to the, the alumni services there and see if I could I could finagle a way to just go tour the campus again. Oh, it yeah. It doesn't even need to be official. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have contact with your alumni rep? Uh, last one I talked to was Patrick Hughes. I think, yeah, I think that's who it is. Reach out to him. He can help make sure that happens. Yeah. Yeah. He was an awesome guy. Yeah. I'm sure he could help me out there. I just got to find the time to fly down. There's that too. When it's, when it's not hurricane season. Well, yeah, that's man. The The next few weeks are not looking very great for us, but potentially. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Still looking better than, than here where it's smoky and kind of cool. Kind of sunny, I guess, but it's smoky. I, I want, man, I want to experience Seattle summer. Like I've, I was there for a day and I was here great. And I, when I was there for that day, I was like, this is awesome. But like, I want to like really come there for like a week and, and hang out and, and enjoy that. Seattle summer is the one time of year where we, we like tell everyone, Hey, it's safe to come visit us. And everyone falls in love. They visit <laughs> Seafair. They see, Oh, it's not too hot. It's not raining. It's not cruddy. But after that three and a half weeks is over, they don't see the rest of Seattle where winter lasts from October to April or July sometimes. Uh, and it's just this permanent kind of misty rainy thing. Uh, and Danny told me <laughs> once upon a time, like, 
if you let the permanent mist block you from doing things, you're going to hate this place. Oh, I bet. Uh, so you have to just uh, never never use an umbrella because that'll point out that you're not a true Seattleite. You have to become waterproof when you move here uh, and still just do the normal things you do. Go visit breweries, go uh, hiking, and just plan on getting moist. Moist. Oh, what a word. Yep. It's, it's, it's the, the right one for that. Yeah. Yep. Because it's, like, it's not raining like in the Florida sense of the word. But it's not not raining. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's just like a constant haze, right? Like, like it just hangs in the air. It's it's like if you're going through Disney World or uh, Islands of Adventure and you're standing in the mister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> there, you know, when I'm at Universal, that sounds amazing. So Yes. <laughs> but but we, it's also 45 degrees. Right. So. Yeah, that's not as amazing. <laughs> I love the rain though. I love that kind of weather. And especially with how much I love to be at home. If I were like in the mountains and that's like what's surrounding me, that actually sounds great to me. But we'll see. I don't know. I got to cut. I got to cut. I haven't, I've only been there once during that time and it was just for a couple of days. I could see why it would, how it wear on you. I guess it's something you definitely have to get used to. Like I said, after seven years, I'm kind of at the point where, like, uh, you know, maybe maybe going to get some more sunshine's the right play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and luckily, you know, we're faced with this, hey, we're going to go remote for a little bit kind of thing. And uh, now for a little bit is becoming, hey, let's do this forevermore. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what your experience is with remote work, but it seems like more and more companies are just, hey, this is the way it is. Yeah, I hope so. I get, that's That's what I'm starting to see. Um, and I think it's great. And I, I can't remember if we talked about this, but I am more productive. I'm happier. I'm more comfortable. Like there's, I have more time because I don't have to commute. Like there's just so many benefits to it. There's, there's definitely some drawbacks though. I miss, I miss the ability to just walk up to you and tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, let's talk about this thing real quick. Yeah, I like, do. I, Cause yeah. I know you're going to be at your desk and not stuck in a team's meeting. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate Teams meetings more than anything about remote work because it's it's bred this really weird thing where in order to talk to anyone, you have to schedule 30 minutes. Mm. And it has to be an official thing. You can't just like rely on the fact that, oh, Jameson's not going to be in a meeting at this moment, so I can just I can just video call him real quick and solve this. Like, no, I got to book 30 minutes because that's that's how we have to communicate now. That's I really interesting. Wish there was a good way around that. So the way that the way that we've been working is we have you know our 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 Zoom regular meetings right like anything that we're doing for regular stuff and then anything that's a quick thing we use Slack so it's just like you know instant message blah 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 but then like a lot of times we'll be like hey you free and we'll just jump in a quick Zoom together for five minutes and do that like that's that's pretty common at, with us at Insomniac right now and it's nice. Hmm. That's that's definitely not something we fully embodied at Bungie. Uh, and I'm, I'm pushing for us to do more of that, for people to free up and be better arbiters of their own calendar. I have faith that we'll get there one day. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, well, it's, you know, it's it's one of those nice things where it's it's not too late, right? Like, <laughs> you can, that's the kind of thing you can work toward if, if that's, you know, valuable to you. Yeah, but it's, speaking is trying to do this on, like, my team's local scale, yeah. It doesn't work unless the organization does it. Sure. Like if one sure. team does it, that's neat. 
but what everyone else sees is, oh, well, that team's always free to just book meetings. For right, them. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Well, we've we've done the opposite of of a good thing in that case. That's true. <laughs> you got some gift subs in the chat. We'll take that. I know my screen was just blowing up there. Yeah, that's it crazy. It's always a good thing. Never going to turn that down. <laughs> so tell me what, th this is really interesting. I, I don't often get to talk to someone that took a contract position while already established, right? Like, so you, you know, it, it's mo most people that do that. It's kind of like how they start their career. Right. And so I, so I'm curious, like, what was that like for you? Were you the only one in that position Were you hired around some other people that also started contracts? Do you remember? Was, <laughs> during during early Destiny development, it was just the way they brought on some new people. Okay. Uh, it was um, in an effort. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this. So I'm not revealing a whole lot here, but studios don't love growing too much too fast yeah. to face problem sets that are kind of unknown in scope and duration. So, yeah. Um, yeah, at the time, I wasn't. I certainly wasn't alone. There was a lot of of temporary employees coming on. I was the only one on the world's team. Mm. at the time because i was originally hired to be a kind of a world systems designer so how are we filling the open world with content uh that's that's easier to build and not not as one-off yeah um so yeah i wasn't alone there i had an awesome manager at the time who was who i recommended to come on stream last time but she doesn't like doing streams. oh right yeah <laughs> um, emmy uh, yeah, she was an awesome manager. So she kind of walked me through all this and I was able to have some pretty frank talks with her about everything after I'd established myself and proved, you know, my worth and my value in, in a longer sense, uh, about, Hey, what is, what does the future, my future at Bungie look like? Like, am I going to be here past the next six months? Because if I'm not, I need to start looking for another job now. Yeah. Um, because I don't. I do not love insecurity. And this was a huge, huge, like heart constantly pounding move for me. I just couldn't, I couldn't stomach it for a long term. And she really worked through that problem set with me and, and helped me get to a place where I was comfortable uh, and made sure that I had a place on the team longer term and that I was able to demonstrate that value and impact to kind of cement my position there. Now, I, I can't speak for how many other companies handle contract positions, whether that's like purely a temporary basis, because I, I don't know for sure that most contract positions have that opportunity. Right. Like yeah. Convert as it were. Yeah. That's been my experience too, is, you know, it's, it's an opportunity, right? So the nice thing about contracts is it's a great way to solve a temporary problem, right? You know, we've got this content we need to finish. We're not going to have as much content over the next year or so after that. So it's, you know, it's a short-term problem, but it's also a great way to, to, try some people out, you know, and, and see, you know, our, and the same with internships, right? Like come in, let's see what you're capable of. Let's see if you, if you got the right stuff, you know, in general. And then sometimes those exceptions can be made. I think in most of those cases, there is no, ex there should be no expectation, right? They're probably not, you probably don't have an opportunity to on the books to make that into a, temp a permanent position. But I think when you come in and you do well enough I think that that opens that door and then those, those kind of shufflings can be happening because during that time, somebody could leave too and a position might even open up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, companies in my experience get really cagey around uh, that kind of language. And more often than not, when you're working with a contractor, it's a contractor who's 
contracted with another employment agency. So right. you can't just like reach in and hire that person, even if they're a perfect fit. That's not how it works. There's a lot of legalese that goes into that, it, at least as far as I've seen. Yeah. Um. So it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird ecosystem and it's evolving so much all the time. Like my experience seven years ago is not at all the current experience. I can speak to that with absolute certainty. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. But it does provide some unique opportunities, like you mentioned. Um, it's it is great to try out some people, make sure there's an awesome fit without risk on either side, really. Yeah. Um, because remember, as you're interviewing, and even when you go to a new company, like you're still trying them out. Like yeah. it may not be a good fit. Yeah, for for either of you, right? Like it's you you have to be evaluating that as well, and that that should be a constant part of of what you're doing anywhere you're working. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't love, as a lead, I don't love the aspects of trying a company out and then going somewhere else, but I would rather have a team that's, that's happy, healthy, and dedicated on the longer term, and people self-identify when they're not the right fit uh, than have to deal with, with other ways of identifying that. Yeah, and so to be clear... way too nefarious. Yeah. I don't like the way I said that. Yeah, well, no, I, I, th I think to be clear, what we're saying is, like, everybody's going in with the best intentions, right? Like, you want it to work out. And the goal is for it to work out, but that doesn't mean that it's always going to. And you need to, you know, be thinking about that and making sure that, that it is the right situation for you as well as for them. Yeah. Be, be, I mean, everyone's the best advocate for themselves. They need to be. Should be. There's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's no company in the world that's going to advocate for yourself more strongly than you are. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you said you were probably, you know, two, three months in, something like that, when, when the opportunity to become full-time somewhere then, sometime in that six months, it became something more permanent, right? I think it was about at the six-month mark where okay. I, yeah, because I, I was brought on in October and around April, I, I hit the six-month point and I was managed to talk to my manager and say, hey, I just want to know how this is, how this is progressing. Like, if if this doesn't look like a, a more permanent thing for me, um, then I need to, I need to start looking elsewhere. I need to start protecting myself and my, my family. And, and luckily that kind of worked out. Um, yeah, like I said, Emmy was a great advocate for me and didn't just go off and, and poke someone else with this. She looked at me and was able to say, okay, well, these are the steps I'd want to see you grow in. This is how I'd want to see you continue moving. Um, Man, above the universe is blasting me in chat there. Sorry, that just that just distracted me. Um, so while I was simultaneously like trying to figure out if Bungie was a long-term thing, she was also continuing to grow me in a professional capacity to make sure that no matter what, I would I would be having some impact in growing as a designer. Yeah. Uh, so that was real cool. That's nice. That's great. <laughs> and, and don't apologize for that above the universe. I truly believe in that one right there. Um, Every single job I've ever applied for has been out of my skill set and out of my out of my direct skill set and out of my reach, but not so far that it's ludicrous. Um, I, I strongly believe that everyone should apply for something that they are just like ten percent unqualified for. Yeah. If you look at the the responsibilities and skills that you need to have, and you're missing one or two of them, apply. Yeah, apply absolutely. anyway and see what happens because maybe someone's looking for something that they just can't fit in a bullet point that you're the right match for it just it's not delineated on a piece of paper and you never know 
Yeah. Well, and the other part of that is if you already are good at all of those things, it's not a position you're going to grow in either. Right. So, and that's a perfect match for you. That's awesome. And you're probably going to come in and kick butt, but you're already looking at what's next. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the org might not be ready for what's next for you yet. They need someone who looks like this box. Yeah. Um, so you'd be perfect. So you're just, you're just kind of putting yourself in a really weird position versus one, like someone you, you can pass the squint test and someone can see that and say, Oh, okay, let's, let's work on this with them. And yeah. that's easy to do. As long as it's a good social fit, um, it's easy to train uh, scripting and, and some game design skills and some things like that. But it's hard to teach someone to be a decent human being. <laughs> he, uh, that was squint, not squid. <laughs> squint oh, man, test. I need to develop a squid test now. That'd be awesome. We have the Sorry, squid I'm games. I'm a little stuffy. So. So. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's really important, and and actually something that we should touch on a little bit for people who say that they are we're told they are overqualified for a position, right? Because you know sometimes you get to that point where you're like, I've got more. This is the positions available. I'm overqualified for that. And as a, as a company, sometimes we'll be like, we don't want to do that because you're already going to be looking for for something else, whether that's another position here or somewhere else. And we don't want to bring you in, train you, and then have you immediately want to do something else. Like that's that's a, a fear that companies can have. Mm -hmm. I've I've only heard that once in my career, and that was around the time I was looking at Bungie too. Uh, I applied to a place, and I just loved the sound of the job profile. Like, oh my god, this sounds like so much fun, and I could do this, and I could see happiness happiness in doing this thing. It wasn't necessarily a growth opportunity. But uh, yeah, I was turned down for that thing. And that's the weirdest slash <laughs> dumbest thing you can hear at that time is like, well, you're overqualified, so we don't want you. Like, well, but I, I want you. Like, Right. Yeah, it's like, it, it's weird because like, it, so, I mean, from the being able to do the job, like 100%, right? Like you're going to crush it. But it's it's just that that fear of like, how long will you crush it? <laughs> Yeah, how long will you want to remain in role before we have to figure out what the next step is for you? And that's that's a really weird way to put it too, but it's not wrong. Like yeah. game as as a hiring manager, I am hiring for a specific role. I'm hiring someone to fit in this box and do this thing so that the team can rely on them to do that thing. And hiring someone it takes uh, it can take like 3 months to a year even to bring them up to the right level, the right alignment, the right organizational knowledge to be truly impactful. And if in that process, they're already looking at the next thing, like, well, I've kind of failed the whole hiring process in that regard. So I understand why I, I can, I can espouse why, but I don't love it at the same time. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. <laughs> so what, uh, so you said you came on to do open world content. Is that the kind of stuff you did for the rest of destiny one? No. Uh, so through Destiny 1 vanilla, so just the core, the core base game, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's what I did. I worked my, – my onboarding exercise was patrols, the patrol system. Okay. Because uh, we weren't sure what to do with that. I don't know if you've played Destiny, really. Yeah. Um, weren't sure what to do with it. It was something that it didn't have a dedicated designer towards, but a lot of people had kind of contributed towards it. And, and my boss handed it to me and said, hey – 
why don't you take a crack at this? See if you can use this as an onboarding tool and, and go from there. Um, and I want to say, I'm not trying not to toot my own horn here, but I did pretty well. Um, <laughs> I think before we left for Christmas break, we had completely stood up what the patrol system was going to be. So in like two months after onboarding, I'd had like, hey, here's a new gameplay type. Let's test it out. It wasn't perfect. Uh, it's It had some serious flaws, but it was enough that you could squint at it, squint at it, <laughs> and and see like, oh, okay, this is actually now an, an open world thing we can we can put in the game, and it's it's viable ish. Um, so yeah, it was a good onboarding exercise, and it let me flex some tech muscles, and it was just a fun way to learn the scripting la- language and scripting engine. Uh, at Bungie, and it was, I don't know, I lucked out. It was just a perfect alignment at the right time. That's nice. That feels good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was It was good. It helped instill a lot of confidence in a new guy. It helped expose me to a lot of the engineering team, to a lot of the, the audio team, a lot of the art team. As a guy who'd been there less than three months, like I was able to kind of hit the ground running all because I had a cool assignment that I was able to just dig into. That's really uh, cool. Yeah. Do you remember but, any times in that first year or so that you struggled or something that you, you know, didn't quite go the way you hoped? Yeah, there's there's a few times that I'm trying to think of one. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So as we worked on the patrol system, uh, I had multiple visions in my head as a designer about how this system would appear in the game world. Uh, and I, I threw them all out. I remember being super jazzed going to the art director at the time uh, and sitting with him and talking about it. And and ultimately, um, he he gave me back what something that definitely didn't align to my, my preconceived design vision in my head mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is how it's going to appear in the world and this is how it's going to fit in and it's going to be great. Uh, and I, I came back so wholly demoralized when I got handed back my actual assets. Mm. Like, oh, this is never going to work. This is silly. Like, obviously he doesn't believe in the vision. Um, and there, it turns out, A, there was just some fundamental misalignment in what the system was. Uh, from his understanding and mine, and B, he was he was actually right. Like, I mean, God forbid the art director for Destiny knows more about the art style than the designer, <laughs> but uh, it was a huge learning opportunity for me uh, because I wasn't used to working with art directors uh, in the past. Uh, but no, he he took the time out of his day to sit down and talk to me about why the choices he made were what they were and how we could better kind of align on this thing. And remember, I'm just an associate uh, contract designer at this point. He did not have to do any of this. He could have just rolled out the, I'm the art director and I say so. Um, <laughs> but no, it was it was a great learning opportunity for me and great exposure to just uh, how Bungie did things. That's and the right really approaches cool. to just talking and collaborating. Man, mentorship is such a big part of this industry. And a lot of times you don't even, one, you don't know it's happening from both angles sometimes too, right? Because it's just like, I'm just trying to help you understand what, what my vision is in this. And and you're trying to get, you know, like those those conversations turn into a lot of like, hey, if you approach it this way, you're going to get better results. And that that's always great information to have. I'd say especially kind of at my level now, um, 
I actually grow 10 times more by getting great feedback from the people I, I manage. The people I'm leading into battle uh, are my main source of like, hey, you know, this idea could be more awesome or you could have approached it like this. Uh, that's where I get most of my growth of, yeah, just those those on point feedback bits that happen in the moment. Like that's that's awesome for me. Yeah, the the nice thing about that is like there's there's a lot of ways to like to to get mentorship and a lot of times it's in kind of a a a broad sense or it's like conventional wisdom and things like that. And that that's all good, but when you can get practical application of like hey, if I had done this one thing differently or handled it in this other way, it would have gone better. That's like to my soul information that I'm going to move forward with and, and remember kind of absorb. Yeah. There's, Oh geez, this even hit me this week of the, the value of just in time feedback as it were. So I had, had a meeting just this week where we were going through some things for the next expansion. And so, there was a question or someone posited something that I was a little, I was a little miffed by. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a little kind of off put by because it harkened back to like, hey, we're going to challenge some of the core goals for this point. So my, my tone kind of took a negative turn. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, why are we going back and revisiting these things? This was all aligned upon. This shouldn't be where we're focusing our energies right now. And it, it put the meeting in a really weird way. And luckily, I had one of my good friends and, and coworkers come up and say, hey, just so you know, the way you handled that kind of shut down any further iteration on the the core goals and ideas which really what i think was being called out is that they're not 100 percent correct mm. uh, and we should go back and revisit them so it was a good opportunity for me of like wait a minute i know i know we're trying to get forward momentum and always move forward but sometimes it's worth the pause of saying how could we move forward better yeah and how could we be have stronger ideas and that was it was a good opportunity it just yeah for whatever reason i was off that day and you know, just in time feedback was was hugely beneficial to me this week. That's that's awesome. I totally get that though. You know, like it's it's really hard when we have so much to do and so little time to feel like we gotta revisit something. And but, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes revisiting it makes the moving forward easier or or even just better, right? Like the 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 path you can now take because of that change is a good one. But man, You've also got to, you got to temper that with like, let's not keep revisiting that thing just because we haven't quite, you know, like, like we're not always going to hundred percent agree with that core element. Yeah. Sometimes you have to move forward with goals. You don't fundamentally believe in. I mean, that happens on, it's not sometimes all the times you have to move forward with goals. You don't necessarily believe in, but you still have to hit them to the best of your ability. Um, it's, yeah, but you should always be free to question them. And that's what yes. I was that's what I was miffing on and, and kind of shutting down, and that's not great. Um, you always want people to feel comfortable in questioning the path forward. Uh, but to your same point, like, yeah, eventually we do have to ship. We can't yeah. iterate on goals forever. At some point, they are what they are, and let's figure out how to keep forward momentum. It just wasn't the right time for me to 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 have done that. Yeah. And that was it was excellent feedback for that. Well, and that's, you know, the, I think it's also an example of no matter how long we've been doing this, how long anyone has been doing this or anything, you're one, you're not always going to be right. And two, the most important bit here is you've got to be open to receiving that feedback. Because like it's, it's easy to be like, I've done this a hundred times. This is the way we're doing it. 
that's the only way to do it, whatever. But like really taking that feedback and being open to the, the fact that knowing that you're not perfect and your choices are not always going to be perfect and you're always trying to learn. That's, that's a big deal. No, no, nobody's perfect. I think as you, as you, well, as you go through the industry, like as long as you're right more than 50% of the time, I think you're winning. <laughs> or or right? at the very more least. Yeah. Not. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, that's a, that I, we can live with that benchmark. I think like that's, that's a fair benchmark. Yeah. It, it means you'll get some mostly positive feedback in your reviews, but there's always something to work on, which is really what you want. Yeah, absolutely. So what, as you were ending your time with, with the first destiny, what, what was the outlook for you? Were you now like, did you have something in mind you wanted to do? Was there like, do you, do you remember kind of like what you, how you moved into your next role? I'm trying to remember what my next role was. Uh, dude, I get that. <laughs> uh, so I know around the same time we were kicking off uh, the dark below expansion. I wasn't on the expansions team. I think we were attempting to spin up a world systems team, like a proper organization that would, uh, hold the 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 rules, the guidelines, and develop the content forevermore. But I got tapped on the shoulder at that time to go work on the Taken King. Like okay. They were looking for not not an activity like craft lead because that team was excellent and knew how to build content far better than I did. But just someone to organizationally make sure that we're moving forward, that the alignment was had, and whatnot. So I really quickly jumped from world designer to almost a design lead for the Taken King, working with Luke Smith and, and those guys over there. Uh, and that was a blast. Like, I got to contribute to the subclass missions where you're getting struck by lightning and going around zapping wiggly fingers and all that. And, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, you're, going, yeah. you're going crazy <laughs> with fire hammers. Like, such an awesome project to be on. Um, lots of fun. Uh, so yeah, and then after that, I shifted into live design. I got to go work again with Emmy Chung, who was who was working on the live design team for Destiny and how we do more than just ship expansions over and over, which is awesome. But we needed more to keep the heartbeat of the game, uh, kind of pumping blood throughout the yeah. game. Um, and that was that was so much fun. Like I loved working on live design. The first Festival of the Lost uh, was our idea. Sparrow Racing League. Uh, I still miss Sparrow Racing League. I'm allowed to say that publicly. I say that on Twitter. Nice. So, there you go. Um, yeah, but I was I was on the live design org for a long time, uh, even into Destiny 2, where we pitched the original, like more story centric kind of focus on Destiny seasons, and how we'd have like a, a season of the Drifter and season of blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I love, I still love live, live design to this day, just how close you are to the player, like how stressful that is and how awesome it feels when things go right. And sometimes when they go wrong or unexpected, they're, they're learning opportunities. Um, and luckily that's something Bungie fosters is, well, we, we, we don't hold true to the 50% rule with our releases. Like we want to be more right than 50%. Uh, it's, it's okay to fail and to learn from those experiences and do better next time. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Man, I, I've never done live design and I've, I've always been curious and I've, you know, I have a lot of friends that have done it and 
they talk a lot about the stresses of it, which I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want that part of it. Uh, but, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, whenever I put something out there, something I've worked on, it's generally mostly done, right? There's no real opportunity other than fixing bugs, you know, for patches. Most of my stuff doesn't, you know, really change after it's launched. Yeah, live design is is great because you get that constant iterative change. Uh, you have the opportunity to issue patches left and right, and you're kind of the arbiter of those patches. But but even more than that, like I said, you while I do love the hey, we have a year or two or or four or five to develop a game and a release, and we're gonna make this awesome huge thing. With live, you don't have that. You have three months, six months to develop something bite-sized, something that's purely focused on on joy and engagement and, and making sure people are having fun with your game. And it's not massive and huge. It might not be the a, a giant spectacle, but it's still cool and fun. And you get that constant drip feed of content out there in a way that you don't get with uh, expansion or, or box release development. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know that feeling when you ship a game and you see people in line at GameStop or talking on Twitter about it and there's all those happy people? You get that dopamine hit a lot. But conversely, <laughs> you get the uh, you get the Reddit feedback threads a lot. Um, and oh, that I don't think I could it's read stressful. it. It's <laughs> stressful. I for the longest time I couldn't I couldn't go on Reddit. I couldn't look at my own game reviews on Reddit. Uh, because man, it was just, it got demoralizing from time to time. Yeah. Uh, ultimately I, I did get over that. Don't worry. There were other people than me looking at Reddit, making sure we got that feedback. But <laughs> man, I remember times like being awake at three or four in the morning, just scrolling. Like, Oh, what did he say? Doom well, scrolling. He's, he's right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it, it happens. It's real. And you get that an awful lot because those drops are coming every three months. Yeah. So, I don't know. Live development was where I developed most of my gray hair under this hat. <laughs> nice. So, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love my time on that. We shipped amazing content. And the, the Bungie Live team now does so much better than we did. But, man, it was fun. <laughs> That's cool. Man, Such a it's really interesting to be in the position you are where you get to look back and see, you know, the the inside look of that of how that has evolved over time cuz like for people that play the games what all they're experiencing is you know the game right and what what most people don't know if you're not involved in game development at all is like how much that stuff changes radically from the day you first conceptualize it to the thing that actually goes out there and like and and the the process that you have and and the people that are involved and the tools that you have like it's it's just so different all the time. It's, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because it's topical, uh, Jameson. The recent Rockstar leaks that oh, went down. Oh, man. I'm, A, I'm surprised at some of the negativity that the the communities are fostering about what they're seeing. Yeah. Um, it's It's really weird as a developer to see people like, well, that game looks like garbage or, or things like that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and we haven't shipped it to you. Like, you realize all that was stolen from us and just put in paste bins somewhere. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's also hugely demoralizing to see that as a developer. 
Like, just knowing... I still have friends that are working actively on that game. Me too, yeah. Um, <laughs> man. It's, but it's... Yeah, game it's just, dev is it's, hard. It's <laughs> such a wild thing, because uh, the thing that I kind of enjoyed about... Like, don't get me wrong. I'm super sad about the situation. But the thing that I've been laughing at is some of the people who have these hot takes that clearly have no idea how games are made. And like, there's this one tweet out there that I'm not going to quote it per se, but basically saying the graphics are the first thing that goes into a game. And so it's definitely looking like ass, you know? And it's like, 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 come on. Like that cannot be further from the truth. I think, I think the depressing thing was the follow-up tweet that that person issued to that, which is, and trust me, I know, I just graduated as a game development yeah. student. <laughs> like, oh, oh my God, buddy. That, that hurts me so much in seeing what you're saying. Oh, um, man. I mean, to be, to be abundantly clear and fair to that development team, the graphics are the last thing you land on with yeah. any game ever. Yeah. Um, UVs might be baked in, but your lighting engine's not done. None of that work is complete. Textures Man. aren't final. It's it's actually amazing that the game looks as done as it did. Like you look at the diner and there's little props and patterns yeah. and stuff on the ground and like that looks pretty good. <laughs> Man, I yeah, that's and people don't realize how much of a difference lighting makes, first of all. Like it, like every time I work on something and a lighting pass comes in, I'm just like, it's night literally night and day. But it's a, it's it just makes such a difference, and that's something you don't want to do until things are locked down as much as possible. Like you might have a cursory pass, and you know we'll be testing things and getting it somewhat there. But that's that's late game stuff for us in development. Well, because if I'm if I'm a designer and I come in and I say, hey, this table actually needs to be moved, or this this block of diner seats needs to be moved ten meters this way. Uh, that changes everything lighting did for the scene. Yep. Now there's weird shadows. Now things are being obscured that weren't before. Like, so you you want the the lighting team and the the final look polish dev team to come in last to make your content look good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I was blown away seeing that guy's that I think it was a guy, but that person's comments. I, I still about don't game know. Development. I still don't know if it was satire or not. Like it didn't seem like it, but it was just so bad that I felt like it has to be right. Like, I, I just don't know. Well, the one interesting thing that's coming out of this is you're seeing a lot of other studios kind of jump to the defense and say, yeah. Hey, look at, I think Prey uh, just issued some videos or maybe it was control that issued some videos about like, Hey, this is what our game looked like in dev. Yep. This is what uh, cult of the lamb looked like in dev. To prove that, no, actually, these games uh, look like butt most of the way through. Even working on Destiny, where we have a finished, polished game, every new destination and planet we add, every new feature we add, does not look good until the final few months. Yeah. When art comes in and does their polish pass, when lighting comes in and does their polish pass, and audio comes in and really makes the whole game world shine like just having designer content is it's cool and you can kind of see the gameplay taking form but gameplay and game look are not the oh. same and, and we've <laughs> barely touched on the fact that like as as designers we need to iterate a lot like we're, we're moving things around we're balancing we're things are changing nobody wants to put finished art in there 
until we feel really good about how it feels and how it plays. And we've already had people testing it. And, you know, we feel confident that it's that the changes that happen from this point forward are going to be minimal, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can someone eventually not in this chat, I hope, will stand up and say, but you can't make great gameplay without great game visuals. And that is false. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It I mean, it helps, true. right? Like, it it definitely sure. helps with the immersion aspect and all that stuff. But we, I use blocks as long as possible. <laughs> yes, you gray box anything before you even ask another team to, like, consider thinking about looking at what it is you're working on. Like you don't you don't dev with shipped pro or final products because what if you don't ship them right uh, or or any other myriad reasons. I don't, Man, I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 really interesting to me, and it's one of those things that I have to I ha I have to kind of keep an eye on myself with a bit where we get it, we do it right, and so and we have to constantly remind ourselves that the people that don't do this are consumers. And their whole whole perspective is finished product. And that's what they gauge us on. How much did they spend for the enjoyment that they got at what quality level? Yeah, and I'm... As a developer, I'm not entirely sure where I sit on the, the hey, we should drip feed updates to the community so that they know how the project's shaping up and how it's looking versus the grand reveal at the end. Mm. Um like I talked about earlier, that grand reveal is a huge, huge dopamine hit for the team, as well as being a massive marketing bee and, and all these other things that are actually to the benefit of the game. Yeah. But at the same time, I could I can see why, you know, the constant stream of information is is good. It, that's why I like community teams like Rockstar has, like Bungie has, that do a good job of trying to provide regular updates without you know, peeling back the curtain too, too much. Yeah. Um, I know, I know Rockstar's team does go a bit silent while a product's in development. Those, those works of art take a long time to, to develop. So Absolutely. it's often not worth the drip feed. Just, just um, think about though, like the time they put into five and how long they've been reaping benefits from that game and how many different console iterations and, and then the move to online, right? Like that's, I mean, just, just a superb business model. Like, like they've just been really doing a good job on that side with it. That that game, I, I worked on GTA Five, so I'm probably not qualified to fully evaluate it. But that game blows my mind still. And the longevity it's had, the amount of work they've done to it in the post-launch world, um, it's just amazing what yeah. they've done there. Uh, I had I had no insight into that part of the the development when I was there. So. It's truly awesome to see that. Yeah, definitely. Man, yeah, that's a uh, because we got leaked. We got a leak for that, and there was another leak too this week or last week. What was the other one? My brain. Yeah, out. there was another big one. Oh, Diablo. Diablo. Yeah, yeah. Diablo seems like a different case because it it almost seems like Blizzard's leaning into that a little bit and encouraging people to continue exploration and and test out the whole game. I don't know. I, I can't speak to that as much. Well, uh, I mean, I can say a buddy yeah. of mine's on the team and he wasn't happy about it. So no, <laughs> that's, that's I, I don't really think, I don't think it was anything, but at the same time, I think in that situation, you got to make the best of it, 
right? So if you if you got like whatever you can do to, you know, get as much good information out of that and kind of you know help steer it in the right direction, I think you got to try. Yeah. Now I'm 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 purely the player who sees the leaks coming from Blizzard, sees the the presser they put out about, hey, we want people to test the end of the game before they before we fully launch and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I don't want to see these videos. I don't want to see the end of the game. Yep. I'm going to wait for it to launch. Uh, I'll watch all your trailers because they're masterfully crafted. Uh, but no way am I going to ruin that for myself. I do not want the drip feed for that game. Yeah. If, if, if there is a game coming that I know I'm going to play, I avoid all, all, all cinematic trailers, everything. Like I'll watch the first thing that comes out, right? Because like, I, I'm like, oh, there's something about it. But then from then on, I don't want to know. Like, I just want to experience really? it. Yeah, that's the, that's the way that I tend to be because I don't want to get spoiled on anything. If I if I already know, if I already know I'm going to play it, I don't want to know anything about it. I don't know. I think for me with games, I I guess I try to do that, but to some regard, the, the drip feed will ultimately catch me. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get to this fever pitch where it's like, oh, I can't wait for this to come out. <laughs> um... And then who knows who knows what happens after that? Like, I have a feeling that when Kerbal Space Program Two comes out, I'm gonna do that thing. Yeah, that game is my my ultimate time sink. Wait, which um, game? Kerbal Space Program Two. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I haven't yeah. actually played that, but I've I've heard good things about it. It's, I mean, er, early Kerbal Space Program was an exercise in frustration. Now I've kind of gotten <laughs> to the point where I'm understanding the beginnings of like gameplay orbital dynamics okay and that's weird but <laughs> <laughs> no i love the game i play it with my kid and he's blown away by building rockets and, and trying to land on the moon so it's i know when that game comes out i'm gonna i'm gonna just purely crack out on the drip feed of information i get that yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying more to. More boosters is not the answer. I'm seeing chat. More <laughs> boosters is not always the answer. I mean, it's not not the answer, right? It, it's an answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So let's see. I'm trying to think of where we were now. Oh, so you're doing Taken King. Taken King. I transitioned into live. Uh, Destiny Two oh, right, live. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I bounced around on Destiny 2. I did live, I went to expansions, I went back to live, um, and that was about the time that I was looking for my next step. Um, and yeah, well, this is a good one to talk about, but I was looking for my next step within Bungie, and it wasn't clear to me, and admittedly, I was at kind of a burnt uh, point in my career. I'd been on live for too long, and I wasn't taking care of myself and my mental health and my physical health. Uh, and it was starting to reflect professionally. Mm. Um, so that wasn't good. And about the same time as I was meeting this frustration point, I was a buddy of mine at 343, Jerry Hook, had reached out to me about coming to join uh, the 343 live team. So I, I jumped at it. I, I took the role of design director over there. Uh, and I was there for a bit. And I won't, I won't go into too, too much detail about that one as well. But I was there for about a year and a half, and it I was didn't know not... that. I didn't know you left. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It it wasn't the right move for me. Okay. It wasn't a good move for me. What I should have done in retrospect is taken some time off and really uh, reinvested in myself and and 
done the thing I did at Rockstar, which is the like, hey, where do I want to be? What is my plan here? And how do I want to get there? Uh, instead, I was just frustrated at the time, and I uh, I jumped ship. And that wasn't the right move. And I realized that after about a year and a half. Mm. Uh, I realized that it wasn't a good move. And it, it, I was fortunate enough that I still had some great contacts at Bungie, who I wasn't even hitting up for a job at the time. But I'd mentioned, like, hey, I'm, I'm frustrated here. I'm tired here. I don't know that this is good for me. I'm probably going to start hunting soon. So uh, I got reached back out to about, hey, would you think about coming back? Mm -hmm. uh, this is the role we want you for. Would you ever consider coming back? And yeah, I was actually, yes and no. I applied to be the assistant game director uh, of Destiny at the time. And that wasn't, uh, that didn't click. That wasn't really ultimately a good alignment but then they reached back and said hey we have this other role uh mm -hmm. the design director role open uh that we think is much more closely aligned to your skill set and yeah it it was and it is and i've enjoyed it ever since i've been back almost oh gosh when did i come back a year now almost okay. a year all right <laughs> interesting so yeah man i didn't even realize that happened so, yeah, it was a weird phase in my career where, like I said, I was burnt on a number of layers. And I think the people, there there was one person in particular, Johnny Ebert, who's our chief creative officer, who I had spent a lot of time venting my frustration to and, and working with and trying to figure out what the next step is for me. I think he saw it and kind of just let me go. Mm. Uh, and that was the right move, I think, on his behalf. Uh, if you have someone who's ultimately that frustrated but doesn't know where they want to go next, um, there's not much you can do to help them. Yeah. So he he identified that. He was super gracious on my way out, told me to keep in touch, you know, if I'm ever looking ever again. Like, don't be afraid to hit him up, and, and he's always happy to have me back. And it was good to hear that, but even as I was leaving, um, gosh, I, I think I actually cried my last day mm. leaving Bungie. I'll be honest about that because it's it's a thing, but uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking to leave the team and leave the company. Yeah, and in many ways, I should have realized what I was doing, but I didn't. <laughs> well, but at the same time, who knows if if you hadn't done it, would you be where you are now and doing what you're doing? You know? Yeah, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. So I didn't. I, it didn't click. Luckily, I had a good group of friends and coworkers who I was able to reach back out to and, and talk with. And ultimately, coming back to Bungie was the right thing to me for me to do. And again, looking back, there was a lot of things I missed about being at Bungie. There was a lot of things I missed at Bungie in my first run through there um, that I, I just didn't see for whatever reason. So it was uh, it was interesting. Um, and I, time... I see in the chat real quick, there's oh, yeah, a yeah. question for Miss Katie G. Do you think you've gotten this position if you didn't leave? Uh, yes, I want to say, because I think actually I probably would have had this position faster if I didn't leave. <laughs> um, and I delayed myself in that regard. It was, it was, and is a natural growth scenario from where I was to where I am now. I was getting in my own way with my own frustrations and not allowing people to work with me clearly uh, on what I wanted because I wasn't even fully identifying what I wanted. Um, 
And yeah, I was just, I was burnt. I had been burnt out from the constant live releases. Live was in a much less healthy way than we are now. Part of that was was probably due to me being in a position of leadership there, but we just hadn't figured it out yet. We hadn't figured out the right way to make a sustainable live game. Mm. Um, at least for me. I know a lot of people who uh, have been and are still on the live game and have, have worked through all that, and it they appear to be happy and healthy for it. So maybe it was something I was doing to myself. Maybe I, I'm putting the fault on me in this one, not on Bungie whatsoever, because it just wasn't clicking for me. Yeah, um, no, that's fair. Yeah. Well, those things are always, you know, just an individual not being in, in the perfect headspace can, I, I want to make sure I'm saying it the right way. Whenever you get to the point where you're, where you're, you know, determined that you need to change, like sometimes you just need to have that change. Like sometimes there's not any fixing of those kind of things, you know, and sometimes you need the break and, and to come back. I, I, th I think it's, it's a, uh, this is a situation where it, it may be true. You may have worked into that position, right. And, and you may have figured it all out, but you also may not have, right. Like, and in the end you left and you realized that choice wasn't great, but now you love where you are. Yeah. I think, I think to be clear, I think what 343 has shipped and what will become of Halo Infinite, what is Halo Infinite right now is great. Like it's going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to be an awesome game. It just wasn't the right game for me. Yeah. Um the right opportunity for me, the right alignment for me. It wasn't there. Um and I that team will do better without me being there. Let's just <laughs> put it like that. And I'll do better without me being there too. So um yeah, it's I don't know. I guess every now and then you should probably just shake up the box and see what, what happens, but I, I probably could have found a more constructive way to do that. That's <laughs> we'll fair, too. Like that. That's fair. Um, but one thing in the in the pros column of all this, all this shifting around, going to a new place, learning new methods, is I got to go to a new place and learn a new perspective on doing things. Yeah. Learn a new way of, of doing things, and I was even talking about that in a process today of, hey, you know, we did this thing over here to, to capture this process. Like, why don't we try doing that? That seemed to work really well over there. Um, so yeah, you gain perspective. So it wasn't, it wasn't a loss in any way, shape, or form. I still grew and learned a lot as a developer and as an individual, but I think more key, I learned uh, how to identify for myself when I'm at an unhealthy spot and what exactly I should be doing at that point. Um, yeah. Cause maybe it's not shake the whole box and see what falls out. <laughs> yeah. You don't always want to see what falls out of that box. Like, <laughs> no, no. Speaking from experience, like it again, hindsight, it wasn't the best move in the long run, but you know what? It's worked out. Yeah. It's all worked out. That's good. Can I'm, you I'm fortunate enough to say that? <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like what your role is? Obviously not talking about specifically what you're doing or anything like that, but kind of like how you interact with your team and kind of like what your, you know, what your involvement is like. Is that something you can talk about? Yeah, yeah sure. So um, someone's going to copy paste this from Twitter because I just mentioned something recently, but uh, I jokingly say that my role is more about going to meetings so other people don't have to. Hmm. Now, if we, if we break that out in a less than 280 characters sense, <laughs> My role is about defining high-level goals and guidelines for release, uh, reviewing content plans and actual content bits and pieces with the team to help shape releases, but ultimately 
allowing empowered teams to have the creative freedom to build cool stuff and removing roadblocks in front of them. Nice. Um, yeah, I think that's it, mainly. On, on top of that, I do hiring, I do the reviews and managerial stuff, but for the most part, my core responsibility is just making sure at a high level we're all aligned, we're all focused on the same goal, the goal makes sense, and we can reasonably get there. I love it. That's uh, that's the same approach that I like to take when I'm in a director role. I don't know if I'll ever be in one again. I don't know if I want to be in one again. <laughs> it's, it's unique. And like we talked about, like it's as you level up in design, we have a habit of saying, hey, you're really good at this thing. Let's give you something completely different to do. That's not at all what you were just doing. Yeah. And that feels weird. It does. Uh, especially the transition from like a principal to to a director. Uh, that is like, hey, you're really awesome at building content. Let's have you never do that again. Yep. Um, I don't. I don't <laughs> really get to open tools much in my current role. I could. I could go into scripts and evaluate scripting, look at worlds, and evaluate the world building. But actually, the teams we have now are probably better than me at doing that kind of thing. And that's not the best use of my time. If I'm trying to be a force multiplier, dissecting one guy's script is not going to get us anywhere as an organization yeah um i'm gonna i need to just remove blockers from that person so that they can go crush content while i attend meetings yeah yeah <laughs> the way i like to think about that was you know i always said I'm, I'm i'm giving people boxes to work within right like here here's a box a big box go be creative go solve problems within it you know but i'm helping you kind of create those boundaries for the thing you're going to work within and then ultimately my job at that, at that point in my career was to enable them to be better. Like let my expertise spread out so I can help more people be better instead of just me being better at that one specific thing that I'm doing. Yep. How can you be better, happier and healthier? How can I help you? Yeah. It's, it's servant leadership is the name of the game. Yeah. It's not about any real true personal accomplishments. Like, yes, I still have some things I drive on the side and, and make sure that I'm moving things forward. But my personal accomplishments look like the team delivered an expansion and we didn't have massive amounts of attrition due to burnout, due to just people hating the project. Like that's, that's my accomplishment. <laughs> that's, that's a big win. <laughs> that is a huge win. <laughs> yep. And to, to another point in chat, like I feel, I always like to keep my skills somewhat up to date because I hate asking people to do something that I don't know how to do myself. Yeah. Um, but conversely, I also hold my, my leads accountable to, Hey, give me an honest scope and sense of what this work takes. Yes. Uh, because I don't have the up to the minute skill set in the tools that I once did. Um, yeah. I but... rely on people to say, Hey Ryan, that little thing that you're asking for that might've taken five minutes, you know, 10 releases ago, that takes us five hours now. Yeah. So is that really worth it to you? Yeah. And um, sometimes, you know, the follow-up question is why, why? but sometimes it's, <laughs> you know, I, I trust you because I have to trust you. You're, you're the closest to the content. So how can we accomplish the same goal, but in a reasonable manner? Yeah. Or what do you want to lose to get it? <laughs> yes. Help me understand the trade-offs. Yeah. Is a, is a phrase we use pretty often because not as a matter of fact it's not the game director the design director any director level job to know exactly the minutiae that goes into every call 
that's that's not how force multiplying works. Yeah. Um, you know, it's trust the process and trust your teams. Yeah. You have to be able to have trust in the people who are telling you what it takes. Otherwise, a you're just not at a good place. But b um, you're not going to be able to make good calls. Yeah. Yeah, and I think just at least having enough knowledge to have the right conversations, have intelligent conversations about that stuff, I think is that's important, right? Set the right goals, make sure that you're on the same page about what those goals are and, and let them do their thing. Yeah. And, and whenever you set a goal, you always have a picture in your head of the execution of that goal. Like, Oh, we could accomplish this by doing X, Y, and Z, but then, then you're bleeding into direction and you want to make sure you keep it at the goal level because of, of all the diverse set of inputs you can get. Like, that's not the only way to do things. And in fact, there's probably better ways to do things. Yeah. Again, being a designer is not having the best ideas. It's finding the best ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. And as a designer, you're always you're not always the smartest person in the room. So sometimes somebody's just immediately going to have a better answer than, than you do. That's okay. Oh, yeah. I'm still, to this day, intimidated by some of the people I get to work with because they're just awesome professionals at their roles and i think that's going to be true for my entire career there will always be someone in the room who's way better than me even at the thing i'm doing um but that's probably not their role it's probably yeah. my role so they have to help me grow yeah help there me you understand. go <laughs> and you know and the and they probably are not great at something that you are so there's always opportunities to kind of share that knowledge and help each other out yeah yeah, it's fostering the growth across the organization is is key to any one any one organization. Yeah, absolutely. That sounded very corporate, but it's true. <laughs> well, when you say foster, I think fostering is a very corporate word. Like, <laughs> let's let's get that put on a shirt somewhere. Fostering growth across the organization. Ugh. Oh man. <laughs> so, is there anything like what? I'm trying to think of some good things to ask that, that don't get too far into the things you can't talk about. Right. Like I obviously don't want to know anything about your current projects or anything like that, but I love hearing about like how, like how you do things or, or how, you know, how you interact with people or, or you like, or lessons learned and stuff like that. So I guess I'm curious, like in this role, what, what are you finding is kind of your, your biggest challenges? Like just, just overall, is there anything that's is kind of eye opening for you over the last year? The biggest, it's a good way to put this. I'd say the most eye-opening thing for me is how difficult fundamental alignment can be to attain on a multi-hundred person project. Mm, mm -hmm. Again, getting back to that, like just because the goal makes sense to me and I have a vision of what this thing looks like in my head, that is not universal. That is not the universal human experience. Uh, and until we invent, invent tools wherein I can impart what's in here straight into what's in your head, uh, that's always going to be the case. Yeah. So speaking with clarity, accepting the feedback, and constantly iterating on the idea. Constantly iterating on the idea is key. Um, and doing that with as diverse a group as you can. So it's not just, hey, I have this great idea for world building. Let's talk to the world designers about it. It's, nope, let's go talk to investment. Let's talk to test. Let's talk to production. Yeah. Let's talk to audio. Let's talk to the raid designers. Let's go talk to the live team. Like, oh my God, it's 
it's insane the amount of input you can generate on any one thing and it's even more difficult to kind of glue that together in an embody or one cohesive thing yeah um, but ultimately even if the idea is not perfect you have to move forward you cannot let perfect be the enemy of good yeah absolutely um, and that's not to say like compromise across the board always but at some point you've got to move forward even if you don't have the perfect picture yeah you know it's interesting the the more you talk with your team the more you realize that each each person in the in a discipline or each you know each discipline has a very specific like view and agenda right like everybody they care everybody cares about a specific thing and and it's all about you know trying to get those things to all fit together in a cohesive vision but sometimes you don't understand their their perspective right and you've got to like really dig in and and be like why is that important to you like what what about that are, are you trying to achieve and then maybe we can find some way to to work this together yeah i've i mean even still just the different viewpoints and way people like to work uh, yep. also throws a lot into the mix i've got i've got one designer who's one of my favorite people to work with but he holds me to such a high bar to um clear and exacting goals goals oriented design that it it sometimes becomes frustrating in trying to move anything to him but i recognize exactly what he's doing and he has made me a better designer because of it <clears throat> conversely when I work with our, our raid lead, he wants to know where the direction sits uh, and where his team has creative freedom. Uh, and that's just a different way of working. He wants to know, like, what is the immutable and what are we able to permute within this release? And he'll go off and deal with the rest. And they're both awesome people. They're both some of the greatest professionals I've ever worked with. But it's really tough to switch gears between those two. <laughs> yeah, that bet. <laughs> so, yeah, but throughout all of it i i still feel like these challenges are what's making me a better lead uh and i will hit every speed bump along the way and that's okay as long as you know i work with these guys and they help me grow uh because i like to think i can sometimes offer them things to grow yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's i don't know it's tricky interesting though i think i want to switch gears a little bit and talk about kind of we always have a lot of people that are are new to the industry or trying to get into the industry. And, and you are someone who says you do some hiring. So I'm curious, like, do you have just any, and I know I've asked you this question just in general before, but I'm curious about advice for people that are, that are trying to, well, let's just say get their first job in the industry. And like, what kind of things are you seeing in the current state of the industry that, that you would recommend for people or, you know, any, any pieces of advice for, for people that are in that situation? I would say the current state of the industry insofar as hiring is concerned is kind of chaotic. Yeah. I've never seen it like this before where people are leaving pretty frequently. Uh, the startup industry right now is huge and, and the, the moon is ascendant on startups or sun is ascendant on startups. Uh, versus triple a is it's we're we're having more of a problem with that uh a lot of the a lot of the net eases the the 10 cents things like that they have a lot of great offers going out to people yeah so that's that's definitely a challenge 
for for other companies like like Bungie. Um, I would still maintain one thing that I I've said before and I'll say it again is always do the reach. Um, even if you don't believe you've leveled up enough, even if you don't think you have the right skills for that EIC role or associate role, um, apply for it. Try it. Because the worst that they're going to say is no. I mean, the absolute worst they're going to say is no, and we're putting you into a database where you can't apply for six months. Right. Um, but I don't, That's I don't rare. see too many companies <laughs> doing that anymore. That's yeah. kind of a silly move. Um, but yeah, the worst you're going to get back is a no. And at best, what you'll get back is a, hey, no, but here's where you can grow. Here's where we'd like to see you push before you apply again. Mm. Uh, and I see more and more companies doing that. Um, That's good. Yeah, I don't see enough of that. I, a lot of places are, or it seems like they're scared to give feedback. Yeah, it's it's tough giving feedback because in a way you're almost saying like, well, if you just had X, Y, and Z, we'd talk to you more. Uh, and that might not actually still be the case. Like yeah. there, there might be some other things that go unsaid. So it's, it's kind of a, a crapshoot to be honest at times. And then I see what above the universe is saying, like actually the absolute worst you can get is ghosted completely. Yeah. That never feels good <laughs> across the board. Um, I understand why companies do that though. Even still, it just doesn't feel good being on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, advice for getting in other than that. I mean, networking is also pretty key. There's There's been a few times in my career where I've been lucky enough to have talked with someone on LinkedIn, have worked with a student at, at Full Sail, and been able to recommend them and actually get a couple hired here and there. Nice. Um, because of connections. Now, I'm gonna, not going to say it all. It was due to me, but it can never hurt to have someone in your corner yeah. when you're applying to a company. Um, you'd be surprised even once you're at your first or, or second company, how easy it is to move companies because of the people, you know, um, yep. <laughs> very, very happens. easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, landing that first one, oof. There, cause there's... it's, it's also tough to network. It's really hard to reach out to someone and, and make that initial connection and demonstrate to them they should talk to you yeah it is tough oh. like i think making connections is always my first advice you know like like and i always tell people game developers are nice like we're nice people and we like to talk about game development we're busy right we're, we're always busy but i i always tell people like my i personally believe if people reach out to me and this is this is true for me and they have questions about where i work or whatever, like I'm happy to answer those questions, right? And those kind of questions can start a relationship, right? Like if I see that you're, you know, you're asking the right kind of questions, you're not demanding too much of my time. You're not just like, hey man, can you get me a job? You know, like those kind of things. If you're like genuinely curious about what it's like to work somewhere, I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah, I I try and do that as much as I can. I mean, I I will be the first to say that as many people as I've actually helped and been able to sit down and talk to, I've probably failed 10 X more in sure. actually just responding to simply because I, like you said, it's, we're busy. We lack the time and I'm not trying to make excuses. I should have been better about that in many cases, but I just haven't been able to. Um, yeah. Here's my resume. Give me a job that never, ever, ever works. <laughs> no. I think the one thing that, blows my mind about today's applicants that I see is, uh, I don't know if this was the case for you coming out of school, but when I see these people applying, they are 
crafting tons and tons of indie games. They're still working at X, Y, and Z thing. They're they're going to all these um, game jams and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. They are constantly on games. And when I look at myself as a professional, I'm looking at their resumes and their involvement in outside things like, man, when I get to the end of my day, the last thing I want to do is sit down in front of Unreal and, and keep at it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so in a way, I feel guilty in that regard. But it is, as a hiring manager, it's really, really cool to see someone who is doing that, who's just living and breathing games. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of a red flag because I don't know that that same person is uh, maintaining a, the right kind of balance in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, as, as cool as it is to see someone so devoted to games, man, I love to see people who just have a diverse input set too. You know, yeah. like, do you, do you also go hiking? Do you like to fish? Do you like to do things that are outside this, this normal comfort sphere, sphere, um, that will level you up in different cool ways. Now I'm never going to say like, don't make games. Um, <laughs> There's a balance to it, though, right? And I like to hope that the people that are are spending a lot of their spare time making games in that scenario you described are also like that's that's their hobby time. You know, they they they're doing the things they need to do to live, right? Because they're they they do not have a job in the industry yet, so they're either in school or you know their their eight hours a day is something else, and then that's that's their extra time. That's that's what I like to hope anyway. I hope that's the case because as a hiring manager, I can't look at your resume and then say to you, hmm, what do you do besides games? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, help me out here. Um, we can't, we're, we're probably not allowed to ask that question. Yeah. It's um, like, do you have any hobbies? Games. Okay. Uh, do you have <laughs> – Which, to be fair, like if that's the industry you're trying to get into, having a really, 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 really broad uh, input set from tons of games is – pretty great and then crafting your own games is pretty great too but i don't know part of me part of me mama bears and thinks like hey have you touched grass recently and (laughs) um i i don't know yeah i'm with you it's it's a it's a wild one like there's there like i think the thing you mentioned is there, there can be some red flags there right like it's that's really the only concern, you know, is like, like maybe you're, you really need to diversify your, your interests a little bit uh, because, you know, experiencing things outside of games helps you understand games better as well. You know, you need, you need to, you need to experience the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think some of the best, best designers and artists I've worked with are like, oh, one of my favorite art leads at Bungie has such like a, a, awesome photography and travel background he posts some really amazing stuff on on instagram it's rob adams Mm. if anyone's hunting him down but yeah he's he likes wakeboarding and boating all the time like he's just always outdoors always doing cool stuff and then he's able to come back and talk about these influences and how they impact like what we're building and destiny and like oh man that's so cool and it's Conversely, like we do have a lot of people who are like, hey, let's draw these outside influences from other games, but it's such a great balance to have, you know, IRL versus in-game reference. Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a question back here I don't want to get too far away from, which is and, and this is this is a hot topic for me, which is Uh-oh. how important is it to to pick a specific role category, as in level designer, system designer, 
Like when you're when you're coming out as someone that's new. I, I know you like generalists. <laughs> I, I like generalists. I like fungibility. I like people who can make themselves accessible and open to multiple areas and be open to growth in multiple areas. Um. Off the cuff, I wanted to say, like, it's not super important because of all those reasons. Uh, I, I still think, especially as you're breaking into the industry, and we talked about this last time, like, my first gig, I applied to be a networking programmer at right. Rockstar. Yeah. And instead, I was a world systems designer at Rockstar. <laughs> like, I never envisioned myself going in that direction. So I think there's some value in being open-minded. And also, one thing you'll find that is that once you're in the games industry, uh, it's pretty easy to bounce around. It's pretty easy to to get a new design gig, get a new role within a company. It's it might be harder to make a jump, say, in, into engineering or something. But I, it's not unheard of. Yeah. I see people who do it all the time. Um. So I'd say, especially for the first gig, like, gosh, everyone tells you this as you're trying to get in, but the the best thing you can do is just get a foot in the door. Yep. Get one foot in the door and figure out the path thereafter. Now, to what I'm seeing in chat, I would not apply as a generalist. I would apply as to a role you can see yourself being in. Yep. Um, but don't be scared if the offer is, is different than what you pictured. Um, because sometimes it is just that, that pinky toe in the door and like, okay, I've got this. I can grow. I can learn in this capacity. I can grow in this capacity. And who knows, I might like this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will say I the, mean, the only generalist job postings I see are ridiculous, ridiculously out of scope. It's like they want someone who can do everything at an associate level position, right? Like, because yep. generally what you'll see is, hey, we need a systems designer. We need someone that can balance economies. We need someone that can, you know, you know, balance AI or, or enemies and, you know, like that kind of stuff, or we need someone that can build worlds, you know, most places aren't actively seeking someone that's great at a lot of things. No, I, I'm not going to besmirch this at all, but when I typically see kind of a Jack of all trades listed on a JD, uh, a job description, it's because that company is, is more indie mm -hmm. and they're just trying to get some things up and running I don't typically see that out of the bigger AAA studios um, yeah. who know that like, hey, we need someone to fit in this very specific box or we need someone for this role and responsibility set. Um, yeah, if you're looking for someone who's like, well, we're looking for a director who also intimately has like game analysis skills and knows investment design, knows reward design, knows how to world build, like that's, you're really looking for like three people, but only want one person yep right exactly now. and that's i i can see like they will find that person eventually i promise you there's someone out there with that skill set um but i i don't know it's never struck me it's never resonated with me yeah hmm. so um yeah and it's... i don't i don't typically like i certainly wouldn't list a design generalist position because i don't think that those people exist anymore i it's think tougher. everyone has suffered yeah, yeah everyone has identified a niche that they want to be in even if they're not in that they're at least skilled in a niche so that's where they envision themselves um 
And I think design generalist, I don't know, even saying that, it just seems rife for abuse yeah. with me. <laughs> like, you're going to be the guy who designs armor and rewards and the monetization curve. And, like, it, it doesn't seem like you're going to have a specific job, but you're probably going to be graded on a failing scale for multiple jobs. <laughs> and I'm just speaking personally. Like, I, I don't want to label any any company or whatever. I I. Yeah, I've never, I've not seen a generalist position recently. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Th I I often feel like if someone thinks they're a generalist, it probably means they haven't dug deep enough into a particular skill yet. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the Bungie Careers website because I want to make sure that you know we're not falling victim to the thing I'm saying I I don't like doing. Um, <laughs> And the most generalist thing I can see right now is a senior activity designer. But I bet you, I bet you if you reached out and said, hey, what team is this for? Or what activities am I crafting here? We have an answer for that. Mm. There's an answer behind the, the curtain there. Um, it's just not listed on the website. Or really, that's probably multiple roles on multiple teams. And we're going to evaluate that. Now, I can't, I cannot speak to that role whatsoever. I'm not involved in that one, but... There's something that they're looking for behind the scenes, even if they're not saying it. Yeah, right. Uh, that's not just, you're going to build activities. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, that, that, I think that's one thing to, to understand in general is when we post a position, we, we have a very specific need, right? And the person that applies for this might not fill that need, right? But we might find that they could fill another one, right? So... Being too specific in the post might weed out someone because they don't think they're right for that exact position. Right. Now, I want to I want to put a soapbox down on the ground really quick, stand up on it, and shout loudly and clearly. Again, my personal views here, not not Bungie's views whatsoever. The number one thing I don't want to see anyone ever do on a resume ever is put self-graded skills on the resume. <laughs> Like, I'm sure you've seen this, Jameson, yeah. where it's game design, five out of five, uh, world design, three out of five. Like, I understand what you're trying to convey to me, but what you're actually telling me is I am perfect at this and have no room for growth. Yeah. I'm not good at this, but I'm willing to grow. Like, that's not, that's not what you're getting across. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't know the right way to present that information, so I'm not going to give you an alternative, but please, please do not grade yourself on skills. I agree with that. The, the way that I, I like to approach something like that, and, and this is the general advice I like to give for resumes anyway, is when you list a project, something that you've worked on, whether it's a student project or whatever, give me three bullet points of your very specific contribution, Right. And the, what you tell me in each of those lines should let me know how good you are at game design or at level design or whatever else. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've hired people that have done the thing I just said not to do the, Hey, give me a bar graph of your skill sets. Um, <laughs> it just, I can't help but look at that and, and automatically my brain goes to, okay, so you think you have nothing to learn in this area. Right. And that's the area I want to hire you in. Oh, this this is not gonna be good. Now, I uh, I will always spend the time to read the resume, go through it, and and figure out who the person is behind the bar graphs. But man, it just puts such a weird flavor in my mouth. I love in the chat. Six out of five resume writing. 
makes that a five <laughs> resume, right? No, I don't make a perfect <laughs> resume either. Uh, I know that, but yeah, I, I think I've even talked to a few people who have all been like, uh, yeah, we don't like to see that either. So I don't know. Your mileage may vary with bar graphs or, or skills, skill bars, but I'm, I'm asking, please stop. You know what I came across the other day, and I need to find this. I'm going to put it in my Discord. Um, Harvard, you can get access to all of their resume tips on their website. Like there's like a some kind of a backdoor entry. In, like it's just like you can put in this website, and now here's their full, like here's how you should build a resume. And it's apparently very good. So I'm going to go check that out and post that in the Discord. So if you're not in the Discord, you should go check that out soon. That would be, I'd be keen to see what they have there. Yeah, I'm going to look that up tonight and uh, and post that because that's, uh, yeah, apparently everybody's like, this is some great stuff. So good yeah, resume I, stuff is good. And I, I think the Full Sail, Full Sail Career Development did a great job in crash coursing me through how to build a resume. And I still hold a lot of those things to be true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just certain things that I see and like right away, Oh man, this yeah. is going to be a trial. Well, but the other thing is like, and, and this is, man, this, I can't stress this enough. There is a 100% like pref personal preference to resume viewing, right? Like you and I could see the same resume and have different opinions about it. So there, yep. like, there's conventional wisdom. There's, there's good things. There's bad things, all that stuff. But at the same time, you, we could be handed a resume that someone says, or was told this is a, a solid resume and one of us might be like, ah, I don't, I don't, yeah, it doesn't vibe with me. Right. As you were saying that my thoughts went to like, so the goal is to make your resume as bland and broadly appealing <laughs> as possible. <laughs> but I actually think as broadly appealing as possible, isn't the worst way to go. Yeah. Um, simply because you never know who the hiring manager is. If they've had their cup of coffee that morning, if you know what state of mind they're in, like, yeah, I wouldn't be adventurous with my resume, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Use that that's great for your portfolio. If they want to go to your your Weebly site and and check out what you've been working on, like yeah, let's let's see that there, but I don't know. If I have to go through 20 resumes and one has bar graphs, that's the one that's going to set me off on a Monday morning. <laughs> uh do not put photos on a resume. I'm pretty sure it's actually illegal here. Like as Is it far illegal? as well, it's um, discrimination. Like if you receive, if, if most companies, if you receive a resume with a picture on it, you cannot consider that resume because of the discrimination potential of, of, of seeing that person. Um, that That's at least what I've been told over the last decade or so. So I, I always advise not doing that. Um, I think I think there's plenty of other ways to, to get across who you are other than putting your face on there. Well, I guess, yeah, I'd question that. Like, why would you put your picture on a resume? Yeah. Um, is it to show that you're fitting some kind of demographic or you look like the person reviewing the resume? Um, other than I, I can't see a reason why that's a pertinent piece of information. Yeah, except the, like the, the one thing I can see, and, and this I think it'd be better to put it on your business card, is like if you hand your resume to someone, you meet them like at a conference or something, and then you hand them your resume and it has your picture on it, that does make a connection there for them. Like, oh, I remember that person, you know, that kind of thing. I can see that. But I'd rather you hand them a business card with that so they can separate that if they need to. I'd, I'd put that in the cover letter more than anything. Like, oh, yeah. hey, the time I met X, Y, and Z at Expo, and I guess you're taking a gamble that the cover letter is going to be 
read, but I always read them because um, you get a lot from cover letters. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd put that information there. <laughs> Someone who agrees with me about the value of cover letters. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I can't give too, too much away here, but cover letters are an awesome opportunity to show passion for the role for which you are applying. Yep. Passion and capability. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always tell people the cover letter should be a love letter that you write that says why you are the right person for that exact position. Yes. Yes. And feel free to research the company. Yeah, right. That yeah, one yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's, for example, if I'm applying to work on Red Faction Guerrilla, I'm probably going to want to include something about, hey, I've played all the Red Faction games and I, I love what the company's done in the past few years. Like, yes. And those are absolutely the nuggets that someone will want to see Yeah. on, on a cover letter. <laughs> absolutely. And it also gives good talking points for someone who's going to call you too. Right. So now they know how, like, and it, it, and actually it gives you the opportunity to kind of, before you even talk to them, lead the discussion in a way that you want it to go. Right. Because they're going to ask you about that stuff. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I gosh, I'm treading on weird ground here, so I can't say too, too much. But sure. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like I, there's, there's just so much, and the thing that, that really can be frustrating, kind of like I was hinting at before, is like we could give someone the best advice and they could make the perfect resume and cover letter for a position that they're, that they're going for. And then just the person that looks at it first doesn't appreciate it, right? Like it's got to go through HR usually first. So sometimes like they may not understand or fully appreciate what you're saying, right? They're looking for certain words, things like that sometimes. Yeah, recruiting HR is always the first step, so you got to get through that. But hopefully, they have aligned with the hiring manager on exactly what they're looking for. Like yeah. our recruiting and HR department is awesome in that regard. I I love the recruiters I work with because I think they try and build that wonderful sense of alignment in exactly what I need. Like we build word clouds and things like that together. Excuse me. Um. So yeah, it that really helps, and then just. Man, I really want to see what Above the Universe does with a pie chart now. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to see that too. <laughs> a pie chart on a resume. My mind is blown. Yeah, no, I didn't even see that before. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I want, I want to see a mock-up of that. I want to, is that is basically like here's my here's my hundred percent of skill, and here's how it is distributed. Like my brain holds this much information, and it is distributed in this way. <laughs> It's the it's the Star Wars galaxies where I've got thirty five skill points. Yep. This is where I've chosen to put them. <laughs> All dancing. Every time I want to make a new choice, <laughs> I'm forgetting something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's uh. Oh yeah, I'm gonna think about that now. Yeah. Cobra says I, I never know. read cover letters, but my standards for interviews are quite low. <laughs> oh, I always read the cover letters because. Oh, like Jamison said, it, it gives us a common starting off point. It makes it that much easier to talk to you. Uh, I don't have to ask questions like, well, what's your familiarity with X, Y, and Z? Because yeah. you've hopefully already told me that. Yep. Um, like if you're applying to be, man, I want to give a lot of hints that I can't. If you're applying <laughs> for a role, demonstrate that like 
I, I have done X, Y, and Z before, or I have played your game and I'm thinking about X, Y, and Z constantly. Like, cool. That gives, that lets me know I can dodge the question of like, well, have you ever played this? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. And sometimes if I, if I have to ask the question of, have you ever played my game? That, like, you're 50-50 on whether or not you're going to move forward at that point. Because if you don't have familiarity, and one of the things I'm looking for is, is familiar with the title for which I'm hiring. Yeah. Um, man, good luck. Man. I, I hope the rest of your resume is <laughs> awesome, because, yeah. At the very least, watch the YouTube video. You know what I mean? Like, like see it, experience it, you know, like have a base knowledge because the truth is there's so many games we can't play them all right there's going to be a time where you're going to apply for something that you you know kind of what the game is about you know that your skill set works with the kind of stuff they're doing but you're not super familiar with it you need to get as familiar as possible with, within that time if you're going to if you're going to put that resume out there you need to be ready to talk about it yes Absolutely. Talk about the role for which you're applying and how you're already ready to engage on that role. And here are your ideas for the role. Like that's literally what we're going to spend the hiring manager screen talking about. Yeah. So if you have that basis, like, cool. <laughs> how many pages should a resume be? I, I'm a firm believer. You try to get it in one. I think two is okay. If you've got enough experience. I won't turn down a two page resume. Yeah. I've seen five page resumes where I've literally looked at it and said, God, I can't, I can't do this. I'll still read it because it's my job as the hiring manager to read that thing. Yeah. Um, but there's in the same way that a bar graph just does something to my brain, more than two pages does a, a something to my brain where yep. I bet you there's a way to convey everything you need to convey in two pages that that's the thing for me is like if it's five pages unless you've been doing it for 50 years i i think that means you're not you you haven't been concise enough and that's a problem in design right like if you can't be concise in delivering information that that's a massive red flag for me there's there's two things i want to hit on here but one even if you're res even if you've been doing it for 50 years and you're the best at it keep it focused on applicable information if I'm hiring for a raid designer position, which I am right now, and if anyone's interested, please go apply for raid design positions at Bungie, um, only relate the stuff that applies. Like, I've worked at Dairy Queen in my past. It was my first job in high school. I will never include that on a resume right. because it is <laughs> applicably – it just doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Um However, if you have a title you worked on, include the title. You don't have to go into depth about what you did on that title if none of it aligns to the role you're going for. And I know it stinks to craft a resume just for the role, but man, there's a way to get five pages down to down to one or two. Yeah. Two at most. Absolutely. Um, and to your other point of being a designer, you have to convey information concisely. I have worked with I will never forget, he's an awesome designer, and I won't name him, but he was the master at building a 20-page design doc, um, which is great in all cases except for when you're saying, hey, go build me a one-pager. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that just conveys, like, vision, goals, and sample execution. Like, he would he would spend a lot of time, like, here's screenshots, I mocked up the level, here's how the player's going to experience this. 
And then you know what? We're going to throw half that out because we can't afford it. Right. Uh, and all I asked you for was one page. I actually don't care too much about the rest of this stuff. Yeah, um, not yet. Right? Like, like it's uh, you'll get there. But th that first thing, yeah, needs to be. It's funny that you mention that because I always think of I, – I worked with uh, Stone LeBrandy at EA on the Simpsons game who his big thing is the one-page design. And so that's where I first kind of got into that and like the methods behind it and kind of how to structure it to get the right information. And I, like, I credit my mentality toward that to him and what he taught me with that stuff. And it's, it's awesome. Like it's, you can really, really get good information across and one page is so digestible. Like it, it, everyone's going to look at one page. I mean, especially, especially when you're asked to make a one pager, don't make a 20 pager. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of times where like, I simply don't care to go into that much detail. Where for me, all I care is that we're aligned on the fundamental basis of what it is you're trying to build. And then I want to play hands-on what it is you've actually built. But as yeah. long as we kick off with this wholly aligned vision for what we're doing, um, you can go nuts. You can go crazy. But most people asking for the one-pager don't have time to read multiple 20 pagers like yep. that would take too much of the day to sit through as much as i might even want to it's just not feasible most of the time ain't nobody got um, time for that <laughs> exactly exactly um question in chat here actually i want to go back a step to resumes with employment gaps uh, mm. five years ago graduated now we're in the industry that's where i think it's okay to show work that is not in the industry mm. like if if that's what your gap is like you went a different route and you have all this experience in other ways i would still want to encourage you to try and find try and draw the line between the two uh to make the hiring manager's job easier to see it like um just a, a good example here we have a lot of applicants who have military backgrounds uh, and that's fine and great it shows strong commitment to a different focal area that might not have great overlap but What's always best is if you can say, hey, this is what I did, and this is how it connects to what it is you're looking for. Like, mm -hmm. project management skills is a great one that a lot of different uh, roles across many different industries have. Uh, and if you can draw that connection, that might help a hiring manager go like, well, he worked in X. How does that – oh, that applies like this. Okay, yeah. that's actually kind of cool. He has that skill set. Like, make the connection for us. Because that's not always abundantly clear. And Cover letter is good for that too. Yeah. What you don't want though is the hiring manager going, "Oh, he worked at X. I don't understand that." Yeah. Like, no. Help, help draw that connection, please. Um, it would be irresponsible of hiring managers just throw an e-resume over their shoulder. Like, yeah, that's not how the world works anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's. Just do as much as you can to make the connections for people and help them see your value applicable to the role. I love it. Dude, we are actually already at time. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, we've been talking for two hours. So, uh... Oh, man. <laughs> it's so, easy to just kind of ramble with you and, and keep good. cranking away. Good, that's what uh, I like. Even that's if it. we don't always answer the question. <laughs> that's not the important part. The important... No. <laughs> but... Like I said before, we're gonna we'll find another reason to come on. One of the things I want to do soon is get some more like have two or three other people on and like do some kind of a group discussion about a topic. 
So I'm, I'm working toward getting that to happen too. So I'd love to have you come back on and, and do something like that in the near future as well. Yeah, that would be fun doing a panel style thing. I, yeah. I imagine you can get some awesome people with your connections. That's my hope. That's my hope. That's why we do this. <laughs> yeah. You've had, you've had some awesome folk on already. So I agree. I, I feel very, very lucky in that regard. I've, I've made some very good friendships and it's nice that, you know, people are interested in coming on and hanging out and talking about what they care about. You know? Well, I know, I know prior to you reaching out, like I've only ever really connected with you through various full sale yeah. events. Yeah. Um, but it's that weird networking thing that tends to happen. And then we'll be in a mixer at some point. Oh, the two of us are there, but like, I don't run into you walking for coffee or anything. Right. Like right. <laughs> it takes Occasionally effort. talking on discord. <laughs> um, yeah. It takes a lot of effort, especially yeah. since we're two or three time zones apart. Yeah. yeah. So no, thanks for having me on again. This was a blast as usual. I hope I was able to help in oh, some small way. <laughs> absolutely, man. Thank you. We appreciate you coming on and and putting your your wisdom out there for us, you know, because there's like your I love journeys like yours, especially I, I love hearing about that the piece where you you know you went to take a contract job, right? Like that's uh, you don't hear that very often. So I love to get those kind of stories out there because that's that's the reality, you know, like that's the kind of things that we're faced with in this industry at times when we want to make a move, it's not always going to be an easy one. Yeah, that was, like I said, that was the scariest thing I've ever done. Uh, Cause it put a lot, it was a gamble. Yeah. Uh, it put a lot up in the air. It thankfully worked out. Now I'm not going to advocate for that for everyone in all senses <laughs> of the word. Um, but yeah, man, I, I have been fortunate enough to have a lot of great leaders, mentors and opportunities in my career. I've worked hard, sure, but I've I've had a lot of help. It yeah. hasn't always been just me. Same. I get that. Absolutely. All right, man. I'm going to jump off here and say my goodbyes. Thank you again for doing this. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for having me on. I'll visit the chat for a while before I go get some dinner. Awesome, man. We'll talk well, to you soon. I will catch you later. Later, buddy. Hey, thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications below so you'll know when new episodes are ready. If you're interested in the audio version of the podcast, I've got links for that in the show notes for you. And if you want to join us live and get your own questions answered, we're at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Have a good week and we'll see you soon. Yeah, when I when I got into the industry, it was like there weren't a lot of options as far as, you know, degrees went. So I was like, I'm going to learn game development. But throughout mm -hmm. game development, I was like, I'm not like, I'm, I'm good at programming, but I don't enjoy programming. So mm -hmm. that was where the move to design was the right one for me. And it's worked out, you know, I can't complain. So yeah, I think I remember speaking with you um, during, I think it was Hall of Fame um, back in 2019, I guess. So I was talking to you um, like a couple of uh, 